Amen. I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 24 as we continue in our series in the book of Exodus, free at last. Exodus 24, beginning at verse 12, the Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and wait there that I may give you the tablets of stone with the law and the commandment which I have written for their instruction. So Moses rose with his assistant Joshua and Moses went up into the mountain of God and he said to the elders, wait here for us until we return to you. And behold, Aaron and Hur are with you. Whoever has a dispute, let him go to them. Then Moses went up on the mountain and the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord dwelt on Mount Sinai and the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. Now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. Moses entered the cloud and went up on the mountain. And Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray again. Father, as we, all of us, sit under the authority of your word, we pray that you would do that work by the power of your spirit through your word, that you will shape us, mold us, and transform us into the image of your Son and our Lord Jesus Christ. And it is in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen. What does it mean for God to be present with us? And how does the presence of God manifests itself among us. I closed uh, last week's sermon by reminding us that God confirms in covenant relationship with us that we have access into His presence. In the new covenant, we have that access, of course, because of Jesus. Indeed, the writer of Hebrews speaking about that access and the difference in it in the Old and New Covenant says this, but you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God and the heavenly Jerusalem and, and innumerable, to innumerable angels in festal gathering and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. To be in covenant with God, to be in relationship with God is to be brought individually and corporately into His presence. Thus, God's presence is, a, is an integral part of His relationship with us. Our identity and our mission carry with it this promise that God Himself will be with us that fellowship meal that we read about last week where the elders and Moses ate uh, before God and uh, gives us a picture of God's commitment to, to dwell with His, with his people. But, but so does this scene before us today. Moses, as God's mediator between God and His people uh, in this covenant, is invited back into the presence of God uh, to receive uh, the law of God written by God Himself on tablets of stone and to receive further instructions for the building of a portable sanctuary that will, uh, feel, that will function as the meeting place between God and His people. 
The cloud that envelops the mountain will fill that tabernacle once it is erected. And so God will continue to demonstrate through his presence in that portable sanctuary, his commitment to be present with his people throughout their journey toward the promised land. And if you know the biblical story, then you know that that sanctuary will one day be replaced by a temple, which itself will one day be replaced by Jesus, who is God in human form. In the presence of Jesus, God makes himself fully known through his person and through his actions. That Jesus, who is God and man, will then purchase for himself a people who will become, through the Spirit, poured out among them also a temple in which God will dwell. So God will dwell with that people, and through them, by the power of the Spirit, he will testify to who Jesus is and to the glory of his rule and reign in this world. But in this text here in Exodus, we get another picture of God's commitment to be present with his people as Moses is again invited up the mountain. And again, the cloud envelops the mountain, representing the glory of God. The people are once again, through this theophany, reminded that they are not alone, (laughs) that God himself is with them and will be with them. Amen. And so that cloud in verse 15 and the fire in verse 17 are reminders of the pillar of cloud that led them during the day and the pillar of fire that led them during the night up to this point. God was with them then, and he's with them now. And of course, the danger for us, which is always present in this life, is that we will lose sight of that presence, that we will lose sight of the fact that our God not only promises to be with us, but is in fact with us and will be with us until he brings us into his presence fully and finally at the last day. The danger is that we will give in to doubt, the doubt that he is not with us, especially in those moments where we do not see his work or feel his work in our lives. Moses being on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights is going to leave the Israelites questioning what happened to him and questioning whether God would in fact continue to be with them. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about, seasons where you don't feel God. Seasons where you, where you don't believe you see him working. Seasons of doubt where you wonder if because of your messiness and your brokenness, God has decided that it's not a good idea to be with you. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about in the house. In those moments, you start wondering how you're going to move forward, how you're going to deal with all the challenges of life that are still in front of you. You start coming up with your own ideas. If he's not present, I got to figure it out myself, right? Your own plans, your own way to move forward. The gods of this world, money and power and sex and the like start looking attractive to you again, and the temptation to turn to them becomes appealing. Forty days and forty nights is a long time not to hear from him, you say. I need answers, so I will make myself some answers. But this story conveys, but what this story conveys to us is that God, being present with us, gives us actually signs that he is with us. In other words, he does not leave us in doubt 
that he is actually present, will be present with us along the journey. So what are those signs of God's presence? Well, the first is his written word, which Moses is going on the mountain to receive directly from God. In verses 12 and 13, we read this. The Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and wait there that I may give you the tablets of stone with the law and the commandment, which I have written for their instruction. So Moses rose with his assistant Joshua, and Moses went up into the mountain of God. Though God has spoken his word audibly to his people and to Moses, he also plans to leave them with a written copy of his laws to guide their living in the promised land. Indeed, Moses has already written down the covenant code as we saw earlier uh, in this chapter and early in these verses in chapter four. Now God himself will give to Moses a written copy of the Ten Commandments written on tablets of stone. And these tablets will in the future be placed in the Ark of the Covenant, which itself will function as a symbol of God's presence with his people. And though we often speak of ancient cultures as oral, passing down important knowledge and information verbally, God in his grace was going to leave his people with a written copy of everything he said, everything he was calling them to. This written word would then be studied and proclaimed to his people as an ever-present reminder that God was their covenant God and would be with them wherever they go. The Westminster Confession of Faith says this about God's Word. It says, our natural understanding and the works of creation and providence so clearly show God's goodness and wisdom and power that human beings have no excuse for not believing in Him. However, these means alone cannot provide that knowledge of God and of His will which is necessary for salvation. Therefore, it pleased the Lord at different times and in various ways to reveal himself and declare that this revelation contains his will for his church. Afterward, it pleased God to put this entire revelation into writing so that the truth might be better preserved and transmitted and that the church confronted with the corruption of the flesh and the evil purposes of Satan and the world might be more securely established and comforted Since God no longer reveals himself to his people in those earlier ways, Holy Scripture is absolutely essential. How do we know God is with us? How do we know he is present? How do we know he will be with us in the future? How do we know? How do we know? He gave us his word. And John tells us, that word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen this glory, the glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. God's Word became embodied in a person, and that person is our Lord Jesus Christ. And now in relationship with Jesus, God's written Word comes alive for all who believe, leading and guiding and correcting us. The power of God's Spirit now lives in each of us, works that works with that word to remind us that our God is still with us, that he has not left us, and that he will be with us. Amen, people of God. So this written word of God is a reminder to us that God is present with us. And I said this last week that we are ambassadors of that word called to spread it to the nations around us, yet that word is also a reminder to us, a comfort to us, and that it reveals to us that our God has not left us. 
that he is still leading and guiding us through that very word. Every time we read it, we should be encouraged again that our God chooses to dwell with us as his people. That word reminds us that God is still with us to bless us, that he is still with us to deliver us, that he is still with us to guide us, that he is still with us to discipline us and correct us, that he is still with us to sanctify us and to transform us and to renew us and to give us hope. Wherever we need that reminder of God's presence in our lives, the written word of God is there to help us. Could it be, brothers and sisters, that some of our doubt about God's presence is rooted in the fact that we listen more to our own voices. We listen more to the voices of others than we do the voice of the Word of God, which speaks to us daily of God's promises to us. Amen, people of God. I want to encourage you, reminding you of the words of Jesus about His own words to us. He said, it's the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you, they are spirit and they are life. And that spirit who gives life is in you. And as Jesus says, he will teach you all things and bring, your, bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Because what matters most is all that he sent. Amen, people of God. And so keeping that word ever before us, will keep the knowledge of God's presence ever before us in order that we might do what God, God says do and be blessed in that doing. Amen. God's presence is manifested to us through His Word. It's also manifested to us through the maintenance of peace among God's people. In verse 14, we read this. And He said to the elders, wait here for us until we return to you. And behold, Aaron and her are with you. Whoever has a dispute, let him go to them. That Aaron and her and Nadab and Abihu and Joshua and the other elders were blessed by God in helping to lead his people is clear from uh, this chapter. They are invited with Moses to the meal with God. And now two of them, Aaron, who has also been Moses' mouthpiece in helping to lead the people and her, are called on to take Moses' place in settling disputes among the people. And it is this function of, of peacekeeping that I want to focus on. For among the many responsibilities that these elders may have had, the one that Moses singles out is their call to settle disputes among the people. God was in their midst and His presence called for peace among His people. Indeed, the Lord, through Aaron and Hur, would continue to do what he had done through Moses to help the people resolve their conflicts. Why? Because God's covenant, brothers and sisters, includes not just peace with our God, it includes peace in our relationships with each other. God desires in covenant with us to heal the wounds of our relationship with him, but also to heal the wounds of our relationships with each other. And the elders' job, to the best of their ability, was to help God's people to live at peace with one another, to help the covenant community settle their disputes and their conflict. And so as Moses goes up to meet with God, he does not leave the people without that help. I I, I know that there's still going to be wrestles, and so I'm leaving Aaron and her to help you deal with those wrestles because the presence of God in covenant is not just about you and God, it's also about you and each other. 
Indeed, the Apostle Paul tells us the new covenant community under Jesus, he, he tells us, uh, he says, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to doing what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. And this call to live in harmony with each other and at peace, uh, peace with each other all finds, also finds expression in several other places in the New Testament. As it was for God's people of old, so it is for the church today to make every effort to live at peace. And if the job of pastors and elders is to care for the church of God, then helping God's people live at peace is a key component of that calling. We who lead should be mindful of the words of Paul, again, who says in 2 Corinthians 13, 11, finally, brothers, rejoice aim for restoration, comfort one another, agree with one another, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Listen to that last phrase again, and the God of love and peace will be with you as you live in peace with each other. Amen. And so God manifests His presence not only in His written Word, but, but He manifests His presence as we as God's people learn to live in peace with each other. And even if we're unable to resolve fully some dispute, the way that we treat each other in our difference should show that we are Christ's people and that we are still ruled by love and not ruled by hate. Amen, people of God. And so God is with us to enable us to pursue peace with one another in our relationships. The God who has brought peace in our relationship with Him now calls us to peace in our relationships with each other, and He gives us help pastors and elders and spiritually wise brothers and sisters in the Lord. And he's present with us to guide us in that, into that peace for the glory of his own name, for the good of the church, and for the witness to the world. But peace doesn't just happen. Peace doesn't just happen. It has to be pursued. And while I'm not suggesting that every relational conflict can be resolved, I am suggesting that doing the work to try and resolve them is our call as God's people. Aaron and her, Aaron and her were to help with disputes, but the people had to bring those disputes to Aaron and her, trusting that God, as God was with Moses, so he would be with Aaron and her. Now, it was equally incumbent on Aaron and her that they would be listening to the Lord to render judgments in those conflicts that would be fair and just so as not to create a situation where the people would lose confidence in their ability to do so. Both sides were to humbly submit to God's presence, listening for His will so as to find paths toward peace. And so the question for us this morning is where are we in need of God's peace in our relationships right now? Perhaps it's in your personal relationships with others. Ask God if it is at all possible to create a path of peace in that broken relationship. It may mean the other person being moved toward needed repentance. It may mean you being moved toward needed forgiveness. In addition to asking God to create a path, to, seek, uh, to create a path, seek out the wise counsel of spiritual leaders and godly men and women who can help you see the way forward. Again, every conflict can't be resolved. However, our attitude should always be an attitude 
of seeking peace in our relationships with each other because by that, we testify to the world that we are the disciples of Jesus. Amen, people of God? Amen. God's presence is manifested to us through His written Word. It's manifested to us as we work to pursue peace as much as is possible with us. And it is manifested through His sustaining power. In verses 15 through 18, we read this. Then Moses went up on the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord dwelt on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. Now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. Moses entered the cloud and went up on the mountain. And Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. Again, Moses is invited to the presence of God, hearing God's voice from the cloud and fire. He enters in to speak with God, that God condescends in this way to make himself known to his people through Moses is a sign of his commitment to the covenant he is making with him. But this session with God conveys another feature, one that would also be an encouragement to God's people. Moses meets with God for 40 days and 40 nights. But to get the full picture of what that meant, listen to his description of it in Deuteronomy 9. When I went up to the mountain to receive the tablets of stone, the tablets of the covenant that the Lord made with you, I remained on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. I never ate bread nor drank water. Not only was Moses with God for this time, According to his own words, he was fasting during that entire period. And while there are records of people going long periods of time without food, the longest I found of somebody going without water was 18 days. Indeed, the combination of no food or water would have been impossible but for one thing, the sustaining power of the Lord God himself. Indeed, the whole story of Israel up to this point has been a story of God sustaining people who would otherwise have perished along the journey. In fact, the preamble to the covenant began with God's witness to his own sustaining power. You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, how I bore you on eagles' wings, how I carried you on eagles' wings. And so it's no surprise that God could and did sustain Moses during this period of fasting as he received God's Word. God is in the business of sustaining. God is in the business of propping people up on every leaning side, as the old folks said. God is in the business of carrying folk who would otherwise collapse under the weight of the burdens of this life. He's in the business of enabling people to run and not be weary. He's in the business of helping people walk and not be faint. I don't know about you, but, I, but I'm glad that I am the child of a God, the God of Isaiah 46 who declares, listen to me, O house of Jacob, all the remnant of the house of Israel who have been born by me from, your, from before your birth, carried from the womb. Even to your old age I am he, and to your gray hairs I will carry you. I have made and I will bear. I will carry 
and I will save. Some people in the house know about being carried. If, know, about, know about God sustaining you. Know about God lifting you up. Know about God keeping you. But how is this sustaining power communicated to us in the new covenant, you ask? Well, there is another who would spend 40 days and 40 nights fasting. He too would need the sustaining power of God in his humanity. And when Satan came at his weakest point to discourage him from the path that God had laid out for him, tempting him to use his power not for others but for himself, he reminded the tempter, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that comes out of the mouth of God. It is that one who now gives us power, the power to walk and not be faint, the power to run and not be weary. Jesus is now the one who carries us. Jesus is now the one who strengthens us. Jesus is now the one who lifts us. Jesus is now the one who helps us walk and not faint. It is because of him that we sing, leaning, leaning, safe and secure from all alarm, leaning, leaning leaning on the everlasting arms. Those everlasting arms are the reason you're here this morning. Those everlasting arms are the reason you haven't given up. Those everlasting arms are the reason you haven't worn out. Those everlasting arms are the reason you haven't quit. Those everlasting arms are the reason you haven't thrown in the towel. Those everlasting arms are the reason you have been propped up on every leaning side. God was sending a message that he was the God who would keep his people from wearing out. Indeed, he would tell them through Moses in Deuteronomy 8, and you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you. Somebody of y'all remember the way that the Lord has led you, right? You shall remember <laughs> the whole way that the Lord has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know that what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandment or not, and he humbled you and let you hunger, and then he fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out. Anybody got clothing that wears out? Your clothing did not wear out, and your foot did not swell. I ain't going to go there. I don't want to get in trouble. But perhaps it's not financial struggle, but a long season of health struggles that you are needing God's sustaining power for. I got news for you this morning. God knows how to hold you up. God knows how to keep you. God knows how to strengthen you. God knows how to carry you. And that's what we need from God sometimes, don't we? We just need God to carry us through. You ever woke up in the morning and just thought, I can't do it today? Any witnesses in the house? I can't do it today. I don't have the mental strength. I don't have the emotional strength. I don't have the spiritual strength. I can't do it today. Anybody been there? Anybody been there? Raise your hand if you've been there. 
guess what? You're here right now. So that must mean he carried you. Amen, people of God. Please know that God has not forgotten you. He's not abandoned you. Though our bodies are subject to decay, that is, to breaking down in all sorts of ways, the Lord promises in Romans, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. God gives strength even to our broken mortal bodies to allow us to accomplish his purposes in this world until he is ready to bring us home. You know how we see God's presence? We see it in his written word. We see it in the maintenance of peace among his people. And we see it in the sustaining power of God who carries us, who carries us all along the way of the journey that we might not wear out. Amen, people of God. Glory be to God. He's worthy of praise. Amen. He's worthy of glory. He's worthy of honor. He's worthy of thanks. He's worthy of gratitude. He's worthy of praise. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are the God who is present with us. If you were not present with us, we would, we would crash and burn. <laughs> if you were not with us, Lord, where would we be? Father, we give you praise that you promise to go with us all along the journey. And you are faithful to your promises, Lord. You never fail. Even when we are weak, even when we are doubting, even when we are failing, you yet remain faithful. So thank you for the promise of your presence, which we see here in this story before us this morning. Thank you for the reminders of your presence, Lord, your word, the peace that you bring among your people and your sustaining power. Lord, it is the Spirit of God, we know, that makes all of this possible, that brings all of this to us, all of this work that Jesus has done on our behalf. It's all brought to us through the power of the Spirit. So we thank you. We thank you, God, for Jesus, and we thank you, God, for the Spirit. And we pray that you will ever remind us of your presence with us, that we might not give up, that we might not grow weary, but that we might trust you and walk in your ways as you've called us to. I pray this for your people here at New City Fellowship, and I pray for your people wherever you have set them. Remind them today afresh and anew of your presence with them, I pray, through the power of the Spirit. In Jesus' name.